Content warning, this episode will discuss violence against LGBTQ people. So you tell me, who's better for the gay community and who's better for women than Donald Trump? Believe me. Let's go back to 2016. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are vying to replace Barack Obama as president of the United States. But Hillary takes all of this money into a crooked foundation, crooked Hillary, crooked foundation, from Saudi Arabia and from many other countries where they enslave women. That's what they do. They call it enslavement. Donald Trump makes an unexpected overture to the LGBTQ community. So LGBT, the gay community, they kill gays in these countries. But rather than promising to protect gay marriage, bolster labor protections, or anything of primary concern to the community, his pitch revolves around the topic of global terror. As your president, I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens from the violence and oppression of a hateful foreign ideology. Believe me. He repeatedly compared himself to Hillary Clinton. Ask yourself, who is really the friend of women and the LB and LGBT community? Donald Trump with actions or Hillary Clinton with her words? Just a few months ago, Trump retweeted this video. President Trump is the most pro-gay president in American history. That's from the Log Cabin Republicans, a Republican LGBT group. President Trump has done more to advance the rights of gays and lesbians in three years than Joe Biden did in 40 plus years in Washington. So here we are, four years later, with Trump up for re-election. Looking back on these four years, has he proven that he's our friend? Did he protect queer Americans in America? And looking ahead to November, what exactly is at stake? From the Trinitonian, this is The Umbrella. I'm Logan Cruz. Watching this election unfold, I have felt frustrated and scared. It's interesting to hear President Trump's statement from 2016 again, because while he used LGBTQ people as a xenophobic talking point, our lives suffered on the domestic front as well as soon as he took office. I wake up each morning, it's like, oh, let's see which, you know, right is being threatened legally. Um, or something like that. Stephen Drake, a junior and the president of Pride, feels like he lives in a state of anxiety about what could happen to queer people in our country on any day. The Department of Justice filed a brief Wednesday arguing a civil rights law doesn't protect LGBTQ people from workplace discrimination. It, it, it is hard to escape it. Um, and sometimes, you know, you just have to take a nap, go to sleep, <laughs> do something. Trump administration withdrawing a pledge of support that President Obama made uh, to transgender students, withdrawing guidance that the Obama administration President had sent Trump's to public schools on the use of bathrooms by Twitter transgender students. Uh, Tweeting he will ban transgender people from Trump serving in the military. In which they would narrowly define gender as a biological condition determined by genitalia at birth. That it is that uh, eliminating an Obama-era regulation prohibiting discrimination in health care against transgender patients. To say the least, it's been a rough and weird four years. Social media for the last couple of months has been filled to the brim with posts that encourage everyone to vote Trump out of office to avoid more of these headlines. I've seen at least a post a day from LGBTQ accounts on Instagram or Twitter 
begging straight cisgender followers to vote for Joe Biden if they truly support their queer friends and family. And so, you know, when you try to explain it to them, you try to explain it to them, like, all of the talking points that you have and, like, you know, trying to express with all of your body that, like, this matters, but it still doesn't quite convey to them the importance of it. However, for those of us who still can't stand the other option, it can be really hard to emphasize the importance of voting Trump out without endorsing Biden. A grassroots organization called Settle for Biden has taken the stage on this topic. Their whole message is that even though many people still disapprove of Biden for one reason or another, for issues like LGBTQ rights and safety, he is still better than Trump. I don't necessarily have full faith in Joe Biden, I guess I can say, um, but at the same time, I feel an assuredness that our rights won't be further degraded if he becomes president, so I think that's kind of what I have to bank on right now, um, because if it's the other way around and Trump's president for another four years, that same guarantee can't be made. Again and again, we say, if nothing else, a vote for Biden is a vote for queer rights. But then that begs the question, what rights? To answer part of this question, let's go to Joe Biden's issues page. Some of the things listed on his plan for LGBTQ plus equality include work to enact the Equality Act, reverse the transgender military ban, reinstate Obama-era guidance to protect queer students, and so on. But there's one issue queer people and allies are worried about that isn't under Biden's control. Now to that historic Supreme Court decision legalizing same-sex marriage across the land, and it's profound. The 5-4 to four vote in many ways reflecting the huge societal shift of the last 20 years. That would be legal marriage, something we won in 2015. Just a few weeks ago, though, Justices Clarence Thomas and Samuel A. Alito brought up this case and argued that it only opened doors for religious discrimination. Take, for example, a baker who is forced to bake a cake for a gay wedding despite religious beliefs that gay marriage is wrong. Justice Thomas put it in writing, saying, The court has created a problem that only it can fix. Until then, Obergefell will continue to have ruinous consequences for religious liberty. On top of this news, Trump nominated Amy Coney Barrett to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. Barrett doesn't have the best track record on LGBTQ issues. During her confirmation hearings, she also refused to give an opinion on Lawrence v. Texas. Which held that the government cannot criminalize gay and lesbian relationships. Was it correctly decided? I can't give a yes or a no, and my declining to give an answer doesn't suggest disagreement or agreement. So some, myself included, are a little worried about the state of legal marriage if Barrett is confirmed, which is likely. I'm gay, so I would obviously love to get married someday and enjoy the benefits that come with it. But I'm also trans, so this issue is important for a host of other reasons. Legal marriage had to be a thing before trans issues could even come into the light of day. Why are you here today? Darling, I want my gay rights now! Trans women of color such as Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, and Miss Major pushed for trans recognition within the LGBTQ community in the latter half of the 20th century. 
Gay and lesbian individuals often had this tunnel vision, excluding their trans siblings in the fight for liberation. In New York City, 1973, Sylvia Rivera had enough of it. Stephen Drake tells us more about this historic moment. Um, so it's during this um, huge like pride celebration um, or rally um, and Silvia Rivera was supposed to speak, but then they were almost not letting her on stage. Um, eventually she forced her way on stage and started speaking. There was this whole crowd of white gays, white lesbians, and they were booing her off the stage. They were trying, they were yelling, screaming at her, cussing at her, trying to get her off stage. And Sylvia Rivera in this uh, speech is making an impassioned plea to listen and care about trans people. Y'all better quiet down! That clip was from Love Tapes Collective. But eventually, you know, um, trans people within that movement were forgotten, and we end up with gay marriage in 2015. Truthfully, the issue of marriage is much deeper than the special status that marriage has in society. Dr. John Herman is an associate professor in the Department of Political Science at Trinity University. He loves talking and teaching about legal marriage because of its importance, not only as a symbolic achievement, but as a gateway to additional rights secured for queer people. The federal government and the states create incentives for heterosexual couples who have married over time that people who are not married do not receive. Justice Antonin Scalia, who dissented from Obergefell v. Hodges, was an originalist. Broadly, this means he followed the Constitution how it was intended to be understood when it was written. For LGBTQ rights, that means that since being homosexual was illegal during the Constitutional Convention, they still don't warrant or deserve protection under the Constitution today. Scalia was a mentor to Amy Coney Barrett, and she shares his legal philosophy. When in truth is that the Constitution, in this sense, is a dynamic, an organic document that needs to protect individuals that are discriminated. And if there is a, an important role for the Supreme Court here is to make sure that everyone that is in a similar situation is treated the same, and that is basic civil rights. Before legal marriage could even be overturned, there has to be a new Supreme Court case allowing the justices to revisit the prior decision. I think that the court would be undermining its own legitimacy by overturning that decision so with such frequency. Because the question is, has the Constitution fundamentally changed between 2015 and, say, the cases heard in 2021? It has not. Yet the court changes its decision, and the only reason for changing that decision is the changing composition of the court. That is very, very scary. It's disturbing. To Herman, the fact that there's even a conversation about the reversal of Obergefell versus Hodges is a cause for concern. I think that it would be a grave danger to our constitutional republic not to preserve the current decisions. I think that we are in a time of great growth. We are understanding we are more inclusive. And I think it would be very unhealthy for our society to turn back the clock. 
Though our world seems to get more inclusive each day, there are some things we still don't need to turn back the clock to address because they're happening right now. One of these things is the epidemic of violence against trans women of color. So far this year, there have been 33 transgender or gender non-conforming individuals murdered. This is an increase from last year, which saw 28 deaths. The majority of these deaths are Black and Latinx transgender women. This is an issue that is beyond what rights we have. Access to healthcare and housing and other basic human needs, regardless of our gender identity, certainly helps create a more positive world for trans people. But there still needs to be a greater conversation about racism, the gender binary, and trans misogynoir specifically. This is the misogyny directed at Black trans women. Even Democrats have not handled this crisis appropriately. At CNN's LGBTQ town hall last October, Anderson Cooper and then-candidate for president Pete Buttigieg were on stage when protesters interrupted, chanting, trans people are dying, do something. Relax, relax. These protesters were not given a chance to speak, Instead, they were removed by security as Cooper attempted to bring some order to the room. Let me just... Let me just point out, there is a long and proud tradition in history in the gay, lesbian, and transgender community of protest, and we applaud them for their protest. Watching and listening to this clip gives me goosebumps every time. I don't know if it's just me, but there's something very jarring about Cooper applauding the protesters' actions as they are forcefully removed from the room, holding nothing but trans flags. It's jarring that at an LGBTQ town hall, with the first openly gay candidate on stage, that these protesters didn't get a chance to speak. It's a blatant example of trans misogynoir that this formal televised event is apparently not the place to address the embarrassing issue this country has of racism and transphobia, including Democrats. This would have been the perfect time to pass the mic and to listen to black trans women. But the town hall went on. Buttigieg did later note the epidemic of violence against trans women, but actions certainly speak louder than words. Finally, this year, Joe Biden briefly addressed the epidemic at his town hall on October 15th. There should be zero discrimination. And what's happening is too many transgender women of color are being murdered. They're being murdered. I admit this was refreshing to hear after four years of a president who doesn't even believe transgender people exist. We must keep in mind, though, that our liberation and the liberation of black trans women from white supremacist violence won't come directly from a shout out at a town hall. Here's Ms. Major with why everyday allies are crucial. You know, people need to understand that it's not just about us as trans people. It's about the people in our lives. It's about the people who support us. They need to stop supporting us from the shadows, step out into the light and say, I appreciate, acknowledge, and like transgender people. And transgender people need to live, be appreciated, be enjoyed, and be left alone. Community care is so important for us as queer people, 
much more important than one ever-changing office that can be powerful for better or for worse. For this reason, Joe Biden as an individual is not that exciting. Like Joe Biden can say that like he wants to help save these people, but um, he would have to find a way to fundamentally address racism and trans misogyny in this country. And I don't even think that he's able to address those issues within himself or the people around him. Victoria Henretti, junior and a Trinitonian reporter, struggles to support Joe Biden. Even though Biden's specific plans to help LGBTQ Americans are more affirming and protective than the Republican platform, we've still seen how the Democratic Party has been dismissive of trans struggles. This is why we have to think beyond our ballots once November comes and goes. This is why, if Biden does become president, we have to keep pressure applied to make sure he pays attention to our needs and that our lives aren't reduced to talking points used to make him seem woke. It'll be like that meme that's like conservatives are like prisons are great and then liberals are like we opened up a trans prison like prisons the military like we don't need equal access to those things. It's an unfortunate thing for those who don't like Biden or Trump that we again feel like we have to pick between two evils. On the other hand, Victoria mentioned that even though voting is still important, expecting marginalized communities to participate in a system that has actively harmed them is unfair. And shoving that narrative down their throats is really harmful because they shouldn't have to vote for two evils. People are saying, we're settling for Joe Biden, just vote for him. Why do we have to settle for people in politics? Um, I think that we should be questioning that narrative and not people saying that they don't want to vote. Still, voting against the larger oppressor can hopefully bring more relief to LGBTQ people while we have the tough conversations about how to make our country safe for Black trans women and how to make it an actual livable home for all queer people. There are grassroots organizations we can support in the meanwhile, like the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, that work within our communities no matter who's in office. I think that now's the time to become radicalized, become politically educated, because it's a scary time and a good way to cope is becoming more aware of what's happening and finding community. Okay, take a deep breath. It's so easy to become overwhelmed when faced with issues that impact our lives so directly, and it's all right to feel this way. Whether you vote, no matter who wins the presidential election, whether legal marriage is truly threatened, the fight for equality will continue. The fight for justice for our siblings who have lost their lives to hatred in this country will continue. We will always continue to be there for each other. Please don't forget that. This episode of The Umbrella was reported, written, and produced by me, Logan Cruz. It was edited by Dominic Anthony Walsh. Our music is by Confectionary, Duck Lake, and Orange Cat. The Umbrella is a production of the Trinitonian, Trinity University's independent campus newspaper. Are you a queer person with thoughts or stories you'd like to share? A straight or cisgender person with questions you'd like answered? I'd love to hear from you. You can write or send voice recordings to lcruz at trinity.edu. Talk to you soon. Hang in there.